You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the fabulous Feinstein's 54 Below. Before we get started this evening, just a polite reminder, please take this moment to silence your cell phones, and also there is no flash photography, please. Please welcome Michael Kilgore. Welcome to the Feinstein's 54 Below podcast, where we take you behind the scenes at Broadway Supper Club. I'm Kevin Ferguson. I'm an assistant programming director at the club, and our guest today is the Grammy-nominated, NAACP-nominated R&B soul singer-songwriter who is getting back on stage and ready to give the world what he's got. Michael Kilgore was born in Orlando, Florida before moving to Nashville as a singer-songwriter after attending Florida State University. This led to his growth in theater and he started on Broadway where he was mentored by the one and only Billy Porter and he grew as a performing artist. His credits include Motown the Musical, Book of Mormon, Hair, The Wiz Live, Jesus Christ Superstar Live, Jason Robert Brown's Songs of a New World, Sondheim's Into the Woods, Smokey Joe's Cafe at the Muni, the list goes on and on. For his Feinstein's 54 Below show, Kilgore pulls off his bubbly persona with the joy of the holiday season with familiar holiday nostalgia, together with this creative twist and his multi-octave range, his powerful and elegance, it stretches across music genres while his lyrics color the outlines of each of our personal experiences. Everybody, please help me welcome the one and only Michael Kilgore. Michael, welcome to the podcast. I am so happy to be here, Kev. Listen, I am excited for you to be here all week. <laughs> I have been telling everyone like, yep, I get to interview Michael Kilgore. You don't. Hey. Um. <laughs> oh my gosh. Not that. I'm so excited. I, I really, really am. This concert is, it's going to be great. I'm so excited to get back onto the 54 Below stage. It's been mm -hmm. years since I did a show there. Yeah, it's been a minute, but we got a lot to talk about before we get to the 54 Below show. Let's just talk about how you as Michael Kilgore are feeling after this pandemic world we're living in is this the first time you're getting back on stage since everything went crazy or have you been able to do some shows since the world reopened actually I've been on tour right now promoting my new single the man in the barber shop mm -hmm. so I've been doing a lot of performing on stage my first big show honestly was I headlined Bryant Park and there was a huge outdoor concert this summer. And that was really my first chance to try out my post-COVID legs on stage. <laughs> and I knew that I missed it, but I didn't know I missed it that much. It was like healing to be on stage. I feel like whoever you ask will probably say the same thing in terms of like this time that we spent away. It was really good time away. And that's weird to say. It's weird to say, yeah, but it was good to be away because it put things into perspective. Yeah. So I have that love that I had at the beginning again, mm -hmm. because I just know what it does for me as well as being able to enjoy what it does for the people who are enjoying it. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yes. Oh no, we are definitely enjoying it. But I wanted to talk about during the quarantine, were there any random new hobbies that you took up? I mean, it was a break from the performing. I learned how to cook a lot better during the quarantine. Anything you took up as a hobby outside of performing? <laughs> I started writing scripts. Yes, it was something Michael. I never thought I could do. But I started writing scripts and 
TV pilots and little <gasps> 10 minute plays and that sort of thing. Oh yeah, what? baby. Oh, I am, I'm doing things that I didn't think I could do. So when I say it was good time, like in that time, it really forced me to go, what else is in there? What else do yeah. you got? Would you consider the writing like a comedy or like a drama or? I was giving myself homework. So I was like, yes. try to write a comedy, try to write one hour, try to write a drama, try to write something science fiction. So I'm not sure if it all was good, <laughs> but now I know that I can, I know that I can actually sit down and do it. Yes. <laughs> that, so that's it. Yeah, that is so dope. Well, hopefully we can see, I mean, your songwriter, singer, you can add scriptwriter to that, playwright to that. Come on, Michael, the sky's the limit. The goal, the, literally the sky is the limit. Well, actually the sky feels like the floor now. It's just all of us who are still here post pandemic, we're survivors, we're yeah. superheroes. Mm -hmm. I mean, this pandemic was meant to wipe out people. Yeah, It was so sad that that's what these things do and for those of us who remain like i think we have to really respect the fact that our life gets another opportunity to go on so if we're gonna be alive we might as well do some living in this life yes and that's been a huge priority for me coming out of because we're not quite out of it but right. coming out of this pandemic is i want to make it count mm -hmm. and not just for somebody else but for myself yeah definitely wow that is so true the idea of just like remembering you're a survivor and taking it day by day and just being appreciative of being here and seizing the opportunity. I love that. That is definitely something a lot of people need to be hearing right now. Now, going back to inspiring people, who was one of your earliest inspirations? Like, how did this journey of becoming the star you even started? You were born and raised in Orlando, Florida. Is that mm -hmm. where it started? It's well, it started in childhood. I'm a pastor's kid, uh, so I was always singing in church. Mm -hmm. That was the big thing for me. But I would say one of my earliest influences is probably a singer named Daryl Coley. Okay. And I don't think a lot of your listeners will know who that is, <laughs> but he's worth Googling. Okay. He is best described as a Stradivarius mm. of singers. He is truly one of the best technicians I've ever listened to. He has a style that no one else could even try to replicate and I have definitely tried and it is not the same he is one of the kings of ad-libs like he can just stretch and stretch and stretch a story his presentation's flawless and he was a gospel singer that I just was like oh I want to do that mm -hmm. and he's one of my earliest musical influences and then as you grow up like my list becomes crazier and crazier as I grow up because it was like Daryl Coley and then I was like Fiona Apple, and then it was, <laughs> and then it was Brandy, mm -hmm. and then of course Whitney and Renee Fleming, Leontine Price, UC Burling, and of course my mentor, yes, Billy Porter, the one and only, the one, the only. <laughs> William Porter. <laughs> so yeah, I feel like I have a nice big grab bag of influences to pull from. Mm -hmm. And it's the thing that I'm very thankful to have had teachers and artists around me that kept introducing me to things that didn't seem from surface, mm -hmm. like it would be anything about me. And then when you got into it, you were like, oh, this is completely about me. I'm completely invested in it and included in it. That was kind of what steered my first album was I was like, I'm a part of this story and I need 
people to understand that you can't have the art without me. Mm -mm. Like my blackness, Mm -hmm. my queerness, Mm -hmm. all that stuff goes into it. And it's been a real blessing that people have received the work so well, because in a way it's as if they said, you can tell us the truth and we'll accept it, Mm. we'll receive it. Yes. And that's a beautiful place to be in as an artist where it's like, oh, I don't have to pretend I can tell the truth. Yeah, no, no, I would say as a storyteller, you are so captivating and definitely you tell the story and do the work. Like it's so awesome what you do. And then the idea that all of those influences are what are in the back of your mind while you're singing, like it shows. I can see and hear all of those different references and influence, like that's so dope. I always feel like that's the highest compliment when people are like, oh, you're such a great storyteller because growing into a musical theater performer, I was always like, I just want to be the male Bernadette Peters. (laughs) I just want to be able to tell a story as well as she can. I want to be the Bernadette to someone else's Stephen Sondheim someday. Like, I just feel like there's, don't even try. There's only one (laughs) Bernadette Mm -hmm. Peters Mm -hmm. and she's such a great translator of his work. That was always my joke. I would joke with Jason Robert Brown about that. I'm like, I'm your Bernadette. Okay. <laughs> and and he, he has to but, agree. I mean, who else would it be? Well, I mean, he's got yeah. a lot. He's got, he's got a lot of people who are exceptional at his work. So I'm always looking. I'm like, who's going to be my Steve? Mm-hmm. Who's my Steve <laughs> out there? And maybe I'm my own Steve. Maybe. And maybe that's, and that's okay. I mean, maybe that's maybe. okay. Maybe. You already have such great achievements with your nominations and the NAACP and the Grammys. Do you feel this is the beginning or you've been in it for a while and this is time? Or how do you feel about those nominations? It definitely feels like the beginning. I was having a conversation with Sekhan Sangblo, yes. who was incredible mm-hmm. in all her ways. And we were talking about this was years ago. We were talking about the different phases of a career. And she's like, Michael, I want you to always enjoy being the new guy in the room. You're going to keep being the new guy. You're going to keep going in there because there's something about your newness that means that no one is polluted Mm. to you. You get a chance to present the way you want yourself presented. And when I was brand new to the Broadway community, it was lovely to get an opportunity to I don't even want to say prove, but share who I was and allow people to decide what side of the fence they wanted to be on when it came to me and my talent and my energy and all that. And now that I'm in this recording world, it's really nice to get that opportunity too. And I'm sure like as I'm writing, as I'm creating, producing, all that sort of stuff, I'll be brand spanking Mm -hmm. new. So I definitely don't feel like I've arrived. (laughs) I feel like I'm coming in and I'm going, all right, well, Okay, since the light is on me, let me shine. Definitely. I feel anybody who's not on the side of the fence of being a fan of yours after hearing you perform, they just must be crazy or something. Because it's just so awesome what your voice can do. How would you even describe your sound, your music? Like what genre? I don't even want to put it in a box, but what would you say? I would like to call myself the compendium of the black musical Yes. Get that tattooed, Michael. (laughs) (laughs) That is a long tattoo. But I say it that way because I have this t-shirt I love to wear that says black music is American Mm. music. We have colored every genre in the American music Mm -hmm. lexicon. And it wouldn't have happened without maybe one of the most 
gruesome things in history ever happening. The enslavement of black bodies brought to mm -hmm. America. There's so much from Africa that we have taken with us in our souls and our bones that have influenced what American music is. There's like this big conversation. There's this artist in country music, Mickey uh -huh. Guyton, and they're like, is she even country? And it's like, well, yeah. But the real question is, you know, you look at Elvis Presley and you're like, is that really rock and roll? Okay. Because it was mm -hmm. a theft. It was highway robbery from the sounds that black Americans make innately. And that's what I wanted to do. That's what I continue to mm -hmm. want to do is to reclaim the stuff yeah. that's ours. You can play with my toys. I'm not selfish, but the toys are yes. mine. Yes. The, the toys are mine. And I really want to make it very clear that when these musical moments happen, when people are trying to decide what's pop music and what's soul music and what's rock music and all that sort of stuff, the roots are clear. And I think that black Americans are owed a huge debt yes. of gratitude for creating musical culture mm -hmm. in America. So it's my goal to make sure that nobody okay. forgets it. Listen, cause yeah. I feel like that is so true and we do forget it sometimes and I don't think there's enough reminders. So I'm here for it. There aren't enough <laughs> reminders and it's because we see who writes the checks and who produces the shows and who, mm -hmm. I ask this question to people all the time. What's your favorite musical written by black people mm. and it's almost Hard like to get to <laughs> the lights go out the lights go out and a lot of times people will be like oh well you know dream girls and i'm like it wasn't written by black people i'm like you better say the whiz at, at least, least. <laughs> at, at least, least at least the whiz is written by black folks that's why i have such a love and respect for michael jackson mm -hmm because he's doing something that's so audaciously black, audaciously queer. Mm -hmm. It's difficult for people, you know, it's mm -hmm. art. So I don't know that I am allowed to put myself on the same level as him with the work that he's done, but that is what I'm trying yeah. to do. I'm trying to do something that feels like I went to the couturier mm -hmm. and it was made to my specifications. Yes, you know yes. I mean? it, this gotta yeah, feel that definitely. way. Definitely. No, we love Michael R. Jackson. We just had him at fifty four with his show. It was just so dope. He is visionary and he I is. love the way he tells I a find story. It so, yeah. I find it so hard to call him Michael R. Jackson because <laughs> right. I'm so used to calling him Michael Living oh, Jackson because right. of his Facebook mm -hmm. page. <laughs> so I'm like I'm like, is it Michael L? No, 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 no. His real name is not actually <laughs> right, living. Right, no. Sometimes we oh, get caught gosh. up in people's social media handles, and mine is just Kevin Ferg. Oh, the social media. And people are like, is your last name just Ferg? Yes. Yes, my last name is just Ferg. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, like yes. ASAP. Thank like ASAP you. Ferg. <laughs> I'm hip. I'm cool. I'm a cool mom. I'm a hip mom. Yes, just like that. No, I think that's so true what you were saying though about appreciating black work that's from black minds you know what i mean and which one of those stories really stick out and i really could only think of the whiz but i'm also have the whiz in the front of my mind because i remember one of the first times i saw you on the screen was in the whiz live and it was a quick moment but i remember that moment because you were just so fierce and i was an instant fan i was like what is going on who is this that experience was, man, it was so excellent. Yeah. It was so, so excellent. And through the years, people's like opinions of it have come out and that people have had lots to say about it. But what I will say is I was so blessed to be in the company of such incredible black mm -hmm. artists. 
and as years have gone by to watch everyone bloom and you're looking at Beyonce at Coachella and it's like, oh, those are some of my mm-hmm. castmates. And you're looking at Megan The Stallion or Rihanna on tour or your favorite TV shows or mm-hmm. Hamilton or all sorts of musicals that you love and plays you love. And to see those people just yeah. hey, popping up, I really feel like that's gonna be a musical that in 10 years time, well, actually you could do it now, but in 10 years to look back at that cast, it'll go and this all came from that one little television mm-hmm. moment it's incredible but i will say that that has been one of the blessings of my career is that i've been able to be in a lot of rooms where i didn't feel like yes. a token i was in the rooms where i was surrounded by incredible black artists mm-hmm. black talent black queer yes. artists yes. black queer talent yes. and to be able to feel less like i had to show up for mm-hmm. all of us and i got to feel like a human yes. being and we each got to have our own experience mm-hmm. and we each got to show our own beauty in the prism that is blackness. Yes. This is going to be a really black podcast. Yes, it is. <laughs> guys, this one, this one's a really black one, guys. So in case you were wondering, black, this queer. is that one. Come on, get into it. Very black, very queer, 54 <laughs> below. That's the new, that's the new motto. Yes. Very black, very queer, 54 Boom. below. That's it. I'm calling the owners right now. I got to tell them I got a new campaign. (laughs) No, totally. No, I think because it's musical theater, you can tell when you're not being tokenized because there are so many rooms where you are. Have you found in the past feeling tokenized? And that's why these moments where you're around other Black creatives stick out so strong. Well, I think whenever you put a Black body on the stage, it becomes Mm -hmm. political. And I hate it because the first thought doesn't tend to be, oh, they were the most Mm -hmm. talented. (laughs) They go, oh, what are we trying to say? Hmm, Like, oh, what's the meaning behind this black person getting the role? It's like, well, Mm -hmm. they are fierce. That's the meaning. We wanted the fiercest and they were the fiercest. So there have been times where I felt tokenized. There have been times where I felt like I was being seen only through the lens of the white imagination. Mm. Wow. And that is, Billy Porter said in an interview, he was like, they really tried to Mm -hmm. see me. They really tried their best. And in saying that, it does acknowledge, but you didn't. (laughs) It acknowledges that. I saw you tried. You you tried. You tried so hard, but there is something to be said about being in rooms with black people, and I'll be clear, black people who like Period. black people. Come on, that's, um, that's another topic. Yeah, that's a whole other know, topic. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other topic. But it's something special about being in those rooms because what they're trying to do is they're trying to make sure that humanity's mm-hmm. first and that color, if I'm on stage, it's a black person. So it's a black experience because mm-hmm. I'm black, but we're not playing at mm-hmm. being black. Mm-hmm. I am existing as a human who is yeah. a black person. So I don't have to put on blackness because yeah. it's already on. <laughs> I might as well go ahead and yes, tell this nice. one. Well, I was in a show where they were like, they were like, you know, just can you put a little bit more, you know, it was basically like, put some more stank oh, on it, like blacken no. it up. I said, I just don't want it. And not that I don't want to, I just will not be doing that. And the word I used Every black person knows uh-huh. what word I use. I said, I will not be mm-hmm. blanking yep. for you. Yep. Oh, yes. yes. Let me use my good TikTok verbiage. You know what I mean? I just I won't say it because I don't want to <laughs> okay. get blocked. You Period. know what I mean? But we know we I will, 
Yeah, I, <laughs> we know. Yes, I was like, I wish y'all could see him because we both did the like mm-hmm. fingers to the eyes, like, <laughs> I see you, I see you. Yeah, we won't be blanking today. And that's something that I hope this pandemic, and I'm like doing a fast little sharp turn to the left. I hope this pandemic has taught a lot of artists, black, brown, queer, white, straight, cis, all of us to like really advocate for yourself in these rooms. As much as the director's vision is at the forefront of what they're doing, you're brought in and the weight is on you. You're gonna be the one on that stage. Your body's on that stage. And if it's something that you cannot stand beside, if it's something that you cannot rationalize or make okay, then you need to really advocate for yourself. You definitely need to do that. And for me, I don't wanna be in a show that makes it safe to be everything but me. A lot of us have been in rooms and I can speak from my experience. And so I won't speak for women or for Asian folks or for native people, but like as a black person, as a queer person, I've been on stage where it was safe to be white, but it wasn't safe to be black, Mm. where it was safe to be straight and not safe to be gay Mm -hmm. because it was like, oh, we're going to tear down all the barriers that make it uncomfortable Mm -hmm. to be white. Oh, there's no racism in this play. Mm -hmm. Black people and white people intermingle and we don't even see it. But as for a white person, but as for a black person, it's like, but, you know, let's deal with the like alcoholism mm-hmm. and the, and your father being gone right. on stage. It's like, no, yeah. no. Then if we're going to do that, then they're going to have to deal with the white privilege. Mm. If they're not going to have to deal with that, then I'm not going to deal with mm-hmm. this. Or I was like, we're going to do a play where black people and white people get along all the time, but we're going to make the axis of the play your misery as a queer person and how difficult it is to be gay and how horrible it was to be outed or how in the closet you are. And I was like, no, if we can imagine a world without racism, let's imagine a world without homophobia. Or let's do the world as it is, where they both exist. Let's just show what Um, what the true tea is, okay? Let's just show what the true tea (laughs) is. So yes, that was the long Mm -hmm. answer to what could have been an easy yes. Yes, I have felt like a token but it isn't like a don't it isn't a oh cry for me situation for me i think a lot of us are coming back to theater right now having spent 2020 reconciling within ourselves what is and is not acceptable for how we want to continue to do our career yes i don't feel special or unique in that i think a lot of us are having these thoughts and these conversations with ourselves with our friends group and now that theater is opening with the teams and with our castmates and making it clear that you know I don't want to present a perfect world on stage Mm -hmm. that's boring and I think it doesn't do anything to help Mm -hmm. the audience but I do want to feel like if I'm portraying anything the nuance needs Mm -hmm. to be there and thicken it up so that I'm more than two dimensions I want you to be able to see me from all yeah. sides if I'm up on that stage. And if that's too much to ask, then this isn't the right mm-hmm. piece for me. Yes. And I think that's okay, too. To just recognize okay that. To recognize yeah. that. That you don't have to say yes mm-hmm. to everything. That you don't have to be a part of mm-hmm. every moment. I think that's one of the hardest things for us because we're so itinerant. Yeah. The work comes what's and you next? just want to like yeah. hop at the work. What's next? But I would much rather be trying to figure it out on my own in my apartment than being in a process where I'm miserable every day because I am being forced to blank. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. We don't want no blanking. Or to shrink. No blanking, Mm -hmm. no shrinking. That's on my mind. It's on my mind quite a lot. 
And I was like, I'm not going to, I was so vocal last year that it's like, you're not going to embarrass yourself by as soon as the theater doors opens. Right. Hey guys, I'm no. back. Whatever you want to do to me, whatever you want to say to me, however you want to treat me, I'm fine. I'm like, no, no, baby. That's not going it's down. It's a brand new day, okay? Yes. Da, 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 da. Everybody get up. Yes. Because <laughs> the reason, mm-hmm. like, yeah. It feels like for sure, especially with a lot of the new plays on Broadway and new productions on Broadway being having a lot more diversity in the teams and everything. Are there any shows or shows that are reopening that you're excited to run back to the Broadway theaters and see? You want to be an audience member for any show that you're excited about? I mean, here's something that's just big to me. I did the first national tour of Book of Mormon. And one day a friend of mine was like, oh, come to my room and sing a song for me. I like wrote a song. I just wanted to hear what it sounds like. So I sang the song. I thought the song was great. And he and his writing partner, you know, start writing stuff. They write a show or, or they write another show, another show. He starts writing scripts and plays and all this sort of stuff. And now it's Douglas Lyons, Broadway playwright. Yeah. The level of pride is like, I got to watch the process and it was mm-hmm. not easy and it took a lot of time. So I'm really proud of Chicken yes. and Biscuits. And so I can't wait to get we back to see that. We love Chicken and Biscuits. Um, <laughs> chicken and Biscuits. Literally, we love the play and yeah. we actually love No, I literally saw biscuits. it twice. I just, um, I thought it's just such a feel good experience. And yeah, I just, yeah, the team's fun, real cool people. Right. And then Thoughts of a Colored Man, which is like permeated with blackness. Mm-hmm. That's something I'm excited for. And like my brother, Brian Terrell yes, Clark yes. is in it. So I was like, I got it. Like that is one of my Aww. hearts. So I'm so proud of him. And that piece, plus Candy Burris is on Which, the producer team. And okay. as a fan of Real Housewives, <laughs> I had, you know, let's let's just call a thing a thing. Okay? I said, yes, this makes sense. <laughs> yes. Yes. I really love Kill on a Change. Yeah, I'm waiting. And I actually got a chance to see that. That's when I actually got a chance to see. So I'm excited to go back and see Mm. that again because I went on a night where I was like, this was incredible. And they were like, oh, we had so many issues. And I was like, where? That's hilarious. (laughs) So if I loved it, on like a night where they felt like they were having, you Mm -hmm. know, it's previews. I can't wait to go back to (laughs) to see it again. But I think that I have a conflicting views about the state of theater right now because I'm so excited to see so many black centric things on the Broadway stage. I'm so excited to see something that feels mm-hmm. like diversity, but I keep thinking about mm. war and the idea of like, oh, you send all these black troops <gasps> out first. So like if they get mowed down, then you can like bring out My your white God. troops. I-, I was like, I really hope that the support will be there for all these shows that are reopening Broadway because I don't want them to go away and people go, well, we I mean, we tried that there just yeah. wasn't an audience. It was like, it was a pandemic. They were the first shows mm-hmm. out the gate. Do not do that because we are not dumb. There, we'll be back we in are the not streets. Dumb. <laughs> we'll be right back in the streets. <laughs> like people don't understand. We'll be right back in the streets. Quick. Okay, right, right back out there. So I want to see the system mm-hmm. change. You know what I mean? And to be brutally honest, I would love a world where theater is not focused on Broadway. Ooh, yes. We're too focused on Broadway being the place where mm-hmm. theater happens. And theater is happening all mm-hmm. over the nation, all mm-hmm. over the world. And good theater with incredible artists happening 
and it's not just in she i mean even though these places are incredible it's not just mm-hmm. chicago it's not just dc it's not just mm-hmm. dallas it's in all these little cities people are putting on shows and writing putting on plays and writing <laughs> checks and i think that it's important that we support these artists especially the ones making art in the most difficult places to make it where you know it's i did book of mormon first national tour and it was fun to do in new york it was fun to do in la it was fun to do in san francisco it was less fun to do in des moines it wasn't Uh miserable but there's certain things you can say on the coast that when you get in the middle of the country people are going i don't know if i want to hear or they're laughing at different parts of the joke and you're like that's or they're that's laughing not, at parts of the joke that the you're like, supposed to laugh at. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like we have to show love to these people and do our best as theater lovers. I was saying this to someone recently. It was so awesome to see a Tony Awards like the one we had this year that felt like it was really about the yeah, theater community. That was cool. The host is Audrey McDonald. You know what I mean? It just took me back to the olden days when like Angela Lansbury mm-hmm, used to host, mm-hmm. you know? But then I thought to myself, how cool would it be to see Audrey McDonald? at the Munich. Yeah. Like the mm-hmm. Audra McDonald going, oh, yeah, I could, mm-hmm. I just love doing theater. And I will say, Audra McDonald don't need to be doing theater anywhere where she's not getting paid like she's Audra Period. McDonald. So like, I'm going to say that the first. budget, don't call her. But, but. <laughs> I know, but still, it's like, it would be so mm-hmm. awesome to see people like her. Mind you, there's like nobody like her, but <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, like doing, doing work. The Beyonce of Broadway. <laughs> Jeez Louise. There, there literally mm-hmm. is nobody like her. But just to see that sort of thing, because I want to give gravity to people who are making theater outside of that little collection of blocks. Yeah, in definitely. York. It is such an important place. Yes, it is. But it's not the only place. And honestly, I think it's getting harder and harder to tell stories that are really challenging. Mm-hmm. There, it's hard to challenge the people when it's like, it's gotta be liked by yeah. everybody, and it's gotta like be unoffensive, and it's gotta be easy mm-hmm. to take, and it's nobody's fault but like the price. Yeah. It costs a lot to put it up, so you gotta get a lot of money to mm-hmm. offset the cost. So I get it, yeah. but I still it's hate very, it. Very, very commercial, very like, a lot of capitalism <laughs> within it. Just yeah, the idea you know what I mean? of. It, how big Broadway right. is. It is what it is, but it's like, I can hope and dream. And that's really what this is. It's like, it's a hope and it's a dream that I believe can mm-hmm. come true. I just don't know how, I, but I do yeah, believe these it could can. be the beginning days. I mean, if this is a shift, if this shift stays, it will definitely shift the stories on stage and everything. So hopefully we just, like you said, this Absolutely. isn't just like a little moment or phase. Yeah, blip. blip. Yeah. Fingers crossed. This is not a phase. It's who I am. <laughs> totally. Listen, so on that, let's talk about how you are this like black, queer, like trailblazer. Would you consider yourself an activist or do you feel that weight? I just feel like a lot of people are looking up to you these days. Oh my goodness. I think that activist, I can say to a degree, yes. And I have to say it that way because I have so many friends who are literally throwing themselves on the front front mm-hmm. front yes. lines they're the ones getting mm-hmm. thrown in jail mm-hmm. i have a really high respect for what they do and i just and i don't take it lightly so i try to respect it even in speaking about the little bit of artivism mm-hmm. that i do yeah. but my responsibility right now is to be yeah. honest and i think that there's something like activism in just mm-hmm. telling the truth and saying you know this is 
the world as I see it. This is what matters to me and I will do what it takes to make sure that what matters to me is on the docket to discuss. So I feel like activism is like key in making art that Mm. matters. There's gotta be some bit of, of activism in it. And I got my first email from someone who went to go see my show who didn't like it recently. And he was like, you came and I paid good money to see you. And you talked about how you felt about the Obamas and you didn't have enough respect to call 45 by his name. And you mentioned that you were gay. And you know, it was clear quick into your show that you were gay, but you, we didn't have to discuss the fact that you were gay. And I thought to myself, I'm famous. <laughs> I immediately was like, I made it. I got like, a hater. It made me feel so good. And it, and it wasn't even a hater. It was like, you were listening. Mm. If what nobody else listening, mm-hmm. you were. And that thing permeated your spirit so good that you went home and had to write a whole email about it mm-hmm. because it's in there. It's He's still chewing on that bone. I'm almost positive he is. And that's the point. That is the point. First of all, if you could tell I was gay, then why does it bother you that I said it? since you know everything <laughs> like it, it shouldn't bother you and also yeah yeah i have a love for the obamas i yeah. absolutely do and i wrote a song based off of something michelle mm-hmm. obama said so yeah i'm gonna mm-hmm. tell that story because i'm theatrical and sometimes my concerts turn into cabaret <laughs> and sometimes i start talking and that's a part of the michael kilgore yes. experience and now you know mm-hmm. that's what it is. And you can choose to come back yeah. or not. But what you can't do is tell me how to do yeah. my art. Yeah. That's up yeah. to me. So I stand by that. There is, oh my God, Jamie Sapero mm-hmm. is a friend of mine. And he and I did a live together a, a while back. And he said something that I thought was really important. He has strong opinions. There are people he, he agrees with. There are people he disagrees with. He is vocal mm-hmm. about both. And he was like, even the people I disagree with, I am here for the upliftment and advancement of all people of color, even the Mm. ones I don't like. I want all of us to advance. I want all of us to do well. And I'm going to fight for all of us, even the ones I don't like. And I was like, that's the end of the conversation. For me, it's clear that that's what it's about. It's sort of like, even if you don't like me, even if I don't like you, that's Mm. what it's about. And for me, it's not just based in color. It's not just based in gender expression it's not just based in sexuality it's not based in any of that i want all of us to find a space of freedom where we're free enough to hear and see each other so that we can truly support yes. one another truly yes. do that and even the mask mandates and stuff like that has really highlighted for me how selfish and how bad neighbors <sighs> we are we're really bad neighbors with each other and I just want to like make it a priority for me to be a better neighbor and to really, you know, support somebody else. And it's like, you see that one crazy person chasing after the napkin blown in the wind because they just don't want to litter. Be that good a neighbor. You know what I mean? Be that good a neighbor that you're like, oh God. Not litter. I don't want that napkin mm-hmm. to be out there. And it's like, if we can do that, then we can also speak up when we're seeing like police violence against black and brown bodies, when we're seeing violence within the black community against trans folks, when we're seeing racism coming from a white establishment against black folks, but coming from white people against their black citizens, we have got to do that. And I will say that my focus as of late has been squarely on black people. 
if I'm going to have the conversations about what we can do and how we can do and all that sort of stuff, I'm having mm-hmm. them at home mm-hmm. first. And I'm having a level of trust that white people are doing that within mm. their homes and straight people are doing it within so, their homes. Because <laughs> you know well. I mean? it's like, it's not, some of the stuff y'all need to just Google and figure out. It's not our responsibility, love, baby. Go ask Google. I do not need to give you the spark notes on my queer experience. Sorry. I'm sorry. And if you do want a, to know a little bit inside on my queer experience, go listen to my art. You know what I mean? I put it. Go listen to my art. Yeah. It's in the art. Yeah. That is in no, there. No, speaking it's of your there. art, my newest obsession, Man in the Barbershop, that is some black queer. That is like so specific for us, by us. It is very I specific. Yeah. And how do you feel like it's being received? I see it being received very well, but how does that feel to see everyone like loving it? It's been really yeah. overwhelming. It's been overwhelming and lovely and incredible. And honestly, what I love about it is I was watching an interview that Toni Morrison did and she was speaking about, as she was starting writing, there were all these African writers that she was really drawn to as mentors in her mind because they were writing with a kind of shorthand that made it clear that they were writing mm, for black people. Yes. Because there are certain things that you and I, we've done this even on this podcast today. You don't even have to say it because we have a shorthand where it's like, <laughs> you know, so I don't have to explain mm-hmm. things to you. And the man in the barbershop, I felt like I was able to use my shorthand and the people who got it, Mm -hmm. got it. But also within that shorthand, it allowed me to tell the story so clearly for myself that I think there are a lot of people who like don't know the exact experience of being a black man sitting in a black barbershop and under that kind of weight and they get it. They get what it is to like see somebody that may be Mm -hmm. unattainable and to feel that feeling Mm -hmm. and to dream i just love the idea that like i wrote this song about how beautiful Mm -hmm. black men Mm -hmm. are first Mm -hmm. of all and then about the desire and no there's no villain no one's wrong for how Mm -hmm. they feel no one's wrong Mm -hmm. for who they love and there's a level of respect at the end of the song i'm really proud of that i'm really really proud of being able to do that because it was the kind of song that i didn't know i could write it was the kind of song that i knew i needed though when I was young, I used to want a song like that. And I remember like Drew Hill, somebody sleeping in my bed and the video came out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that was my that was my jam. So then the video came out and it was like the woman being a lesbian was like mm-hmm. the gotcha. Mm-hmm. It was a joke. And it was like it was oh the audacity. And I'm like, Well, I don't want being gay mm-hmm. to be the joke. No. I don't want that to be the gotcha. I want it to feel lovely and okay. I will say that's something I think I learned in theater that like as a black person I didn't want to seem like the mm-hmm. surprise <laughs> I wanted it to be like oh that's just another human having yeah, a human experience yes I feel the same way and because of that like as a queer person I want to feel like just another human having a yeah. human experience and I'm gonna sit here and remind you that I'm gay a million times and you're just gonna be okay with it like well honestly I can't wait for being gay to yeah, be yeah right like I can't wait for it yeah, to be boring totally. like for people to be like mm-hmm. who cares because it's like mm-hmm. who cares it is so boring. It's in fact so boring that gay people are getting divorced <laughs> now. You know what I mean? We just got and married. And we already getting like, divorces, yeah. We j- and we're already mm-hmm. getting divorces. That's how boring <laughs> I want it to be. That it's just sort of like, whatever. They get married, they divorce. Hmm. They have kids, the kids are bad. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> I know, Same I stuff. love the man in the barbershop. I feel 
it is a story about wanting someone you can't have, but the idea of putting it specifically in a black barbershop, that story, it, yeah. I don't even know. I don't even have words. Cause I'm just so appreciative that someone did it. Cause yes. we've all been there. We've all been, we have all mm-hmm. been sitting and been like, <laughs> all of a sudden you hear the soundtrack of waiting to exhale, just playing. <laughs> Listen, I got my little shortcut. I'm Loretta Devine, <laughs> putting, the, putting the food in the <laughs> Just, I got a few slices of ham, you know. <laughs> listen, listen, they on this podcast like, what is going on? Listen, Michael Kilgore, I am so excited for you to come back to 54 Below. We got to talk about the show at 54, though. Is there any surprises that you can, like, give us little hints on? Any guest appearances? What's the set list going to be like? I actually do want to keep things really on the hush, but I will tell you that it's a little early because we will not quite have made it mm-hmm. to Thanksgiving but I wanted to give you my head start on the holiday season. So this show is gonna be a born black Christmas. I'm gonna do my version of what I wish like the Michael Kilgore Christmas special on would would be. So it's gonna be a good time. There's gonna be a lot of original Mm -hmm. music, but I'm also going to have a few surprises, some singers coming to like sing some songs with me. And I'm definitely going to be singing some stuff from my album, A Man Born Black. And I just feel like it wouldn't be right if I didn't sing The Man in the Barbershop. So I'm going to cry. (laughs) I'm going to cry. I'm going to cry. So I'm going to do that. But I really wanted to imagine the soulful holiday moment for people because I grew up with Boys to Men mm-hmm. Christmas and Mariah Carey's Christmas album and Stevie Wonder's yes. Christmas. So it's like, that was always my dream to do something that felt. And then of course, Donny Hathaway uh, this Christmas, yeah, you know? Classic. So I always wanted to be like, how do we create that feeling for now? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to put on a little show yes. for y'all. It will definitely be season's greetings. We're, and we're welcoming tidings. the holiday time. <laughs> we're welcoming the holiday time. Plus it's like, we didn't really get to do Christmas like mm-hmm. we wanted to last year. Go so let's crazy. just stretch oh, yeah. the season out. Let's go crazy. <laughs> Have you seen the meme of like Mariah Carey, like hydrating, getting prepared for the season, but it's a cartoon of just like, <laughs> it's really silly. I got to send it to you, but it's just like, yeah, oh, please it's just so true that the holidays are coming. Everyone's feeling it already, but people are ready for yeah. the holidays. And apparently we better be very ready because it's taking 30 years for packages to get to you. So if you have not bought your Christmas presents by now, <laughs> they're, they're not going to arrive. 2022 gifts. You're going to get it for Valentine's Day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Literally, Valentine's. Okay. And be happy with that. Listen, Michael, this has been so fun chit-chatting with you. I feel like I could talk to you all day, but we will be going on tangents about Real Housewives and not Broadway. So, <laughs> Oh, yes, absolutely. And, and movie quotes and, and 90s black movie quotes. You know what sure. I mean? So let's save that for part two. But today was amazing. Y'all have to catch Michael's show. You can catch Michael Kilgore at Feinstein's 54 Below on November 18th through the 20th at 7 o'clock. Don't miss it the box office is open right now ready to get those tickets sold for you michael do you have anything else you want to tell the folks a nice little word a mantra you live by what you want to say i think the only thing i want to say is i really want to see you 
I sincerely want to see you in the yeah. audience. I'm crafting this, and this is a special moment that nobody mm. else will get. Just the people in the audience at 54 Below. So I'm really, really, really looking forward to doing something special with and for all of you. I'll see you in November. All right, everybody. Thank you again for listening. Once again, I am your host, Kevin Ferguson, at Kevin Ferg on Instagram. Follow me. You've been listening to the Fine Science 54 Below podcast, part of the Broadway Podcast Network. Subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.